This is day 185 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Zechariah chapters 9 through 14. As promised, there was a chapter that I was going to make up due to health, and this is the time to do it. We'll go ahead and finish the book of Zechariah today. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us sinners. We are so filthy, Lord. The best that we can give you are filthy rags. Our righteousness is not righteous at all. We are so pitiful and pathetic in your sight. How low we cause ourselves to go. How dark we go apart from you. Lord God, please call us back to your light. Please hold us with your right hand. Please strengthen us in these days where temptation abounds. Sin is everywhere. Evil is spreading throughout the world. We need to be strong, Lord, and only you have the strength to do it. Please separate your people from the world around us, that we may be righteous and holy in your sight. As we read your word today, please bless the reading of it as you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. The burden of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, with Damascus as its resting place. For the eyes of men especially of all the tribes of Israel, are toward the Lord. And Hamath also, which borders on it, Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. For Tyre built herself a fortress, and piled up silver like dust, and gold like the mire of the streets. Behold, the Lord will dispossess her, and cast her wealth into the sea, and she will be consumed with fire. Ashkelon will see it and be afraid. Gaza, too, will writhe in great pain. Also Ekron, for her expectation has been confounded. Moreover, the king will perish from Gaza, and Ashkelon will not be inhabited. And a mongrel race will dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. And I will remove their blood from their mouth, and their detestable things from between their teeth. Then they also will be a remnant for our God and be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron like a Jebusite. But I will camp around my house because of an army, because of him who passes by and returns, and no oppressor will pass over them any more, for now I have seen with my eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off, and he will speak peace to the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, O prisoners, who have the hope. The very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. For I will bend Judah as my bow. I will fill the bow with Ephraim. And I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. And I will make you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning, 
and the Lord God will blow the trumpet and will march in the storm winds of the south. The Lord of hosts will defend them, and they will devour and trample on the sling stones. And they will drink and be boisterous as with wine, and they will be filled like a sacrificial basin, drenched like the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they are as the stones of a crown, sparkling in his land. For what comeliness and beauty will be theirs? Grain will make the young men flourish, and new wine the virgins. Ask rain from the Lord at the time of the spring rain, the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain, vegetation in the field to each man. For the teraphim speak iniquity, and the diviners see lying visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted because there is no shepherd. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the male goats. For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and he will make them like his majestic horse in battle. From them will come the cornerstone, from them the tent peg, from them the bow of battle, from them every ruler, all of them together. They will be as mighty men, treading down the enemy in the mire of the streets in battle. And they will fight, for the Lord will be with them, and the riders on horses will be put to shame. I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them back, because I have had compassion on them. And they will be as though I had not rejected them, for I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Ephraim will be like a mighty man, and their heart will be glad as if from wine. Indeed, their children will see it and be glad. Their heart will rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them to gather them together, for I have redeemed them, and they will be as numerous as they were before. When I scatter them among the peoples, they will remember me in far countries, and they, with their children, will live and come back. I will bring them back from the land of Egypt, and gather them from Assyria, and I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon, until no room can be found for them and they will pass through the sea of distress, and he will strike the waves in the sea, so that all the depths of the Nile will dry up, and the pride of Assyria will be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt will depart. And I will strengthen them in the Lord, and in his name they will walk, declares the Lord. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that a fire may feed on your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, because the glorious trees have been destroyed. Wail, O oaks of Bashan, for the impenetrable fortress has come down. There is a sound of the shepherds wail, for their glory is ruined. There is a sound of the young lion's roar, for the pride of the Jordan is ruined. Thus says the Lord my God, Pasture the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slay them and go unpunished. And each of those who sell them says, Blessed be the Lord 
for I have become rich, and their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. But behold, I will cause the men to fall, each into another's power, and into the power of his king. And they will strike the land, and I will not deliver them from their power. So I pastured the flock, doomed to slaughter, hence the afflicted of the flock. And I took for myself two staffs, the one I called favor, and the other I called union. So I pastured the flock. Then I annihilated the three shepherds in one month, for my soul was impatient with them, and their soul also was weary of me. Then I said, I will not pasture you. What is to die, let it die. And what is to be annihilated, let it be annihilated. And let those who are left eat one another's flesh. I took my staff, favor, and cut it in pieces to break my covenant which I had made with all the peoples. So it was broken on that day, and thus the afflicted of the flock who were watching me realized that it was the word of the Lord. I said to them, If it is good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. So they weighed out thirty shekels of silver as my wages. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took the thirty shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Then I cut in pieces my second staff, Union, to break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. The Lord said to me, Take again for yourself the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am going to raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for the perishing, seek the scattered, heal the broken, or sustain the one standing, but will devour the flesh of the fat sheep and tear off their hooves. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword will be on his arm and on his right eye. His arm will be totally withered and his right eye will be blind. The Burden of the Word of the Lord Concerning Israel Thus declares the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured. And all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. In that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with bewilderment and his rider with madness. But I will watch over the house of Judah while I strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. Then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, A strong support for us are the inhabitants of Jerusalem through the Lord of hosts, their God. In that day I will make the clans of Judah like a firepot, among pieces of wood and a flaming torch among sheaves. So they will consume on the right hand and on the left all the surrounding peoples, while the inhabitants of Jerusalem again 
dwell on their own sites in Jerusalem. The Lord also will save the tents of Judah first, so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem will not be magnified above Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. And in that day, I will set about to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. In that day there will be great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadadramon in the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn, every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the Shimeites by itself, and their wives by themselves, all the families that remain, every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. In that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for impurity. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they will no longer be remembered. And I will also remove the prophets and the unclean spirit from the land. And if anyone still prophesies, then his father and mother who gave birth to him will say to him, You shall not live, for you have spoken falsely in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who gave birth to him will pierce him through when he prophesies. Also it will come about in that day that the prophets will each be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies, and they will not put on a hairy robe in order to deceive. But he will say, I am not a prophet, I am a tiller of the ground, for a man sold me as a slave in my youth. And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? Then he will say, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man, my associate, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, that the sheep may be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. It will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it. And I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, They are my people, and they will say, The Lord is my God. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, 
and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fights on a day of battle. In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. You will flee by the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come, and all the holy ones with him. In that day there will be no light. The luminaries will dwindle. For it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But it will come about that at evening time there will be light. And in that day the living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day the Lord will be the only one, and his name the only one. All the land will be changed into a plain from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem will rise and remain on its site from Benjamin's gate as far as the place of the first gate to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel to the king's winepresses. People will live in it, and there will no longer be a curse, for Jerusalem will dwell in security. Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouth. It will come about in that day that a great panic from the Lord will fall on them, and they will seize one another's hand, and the hand of one will be lifted against the hand of another. Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered, gold and silver and garments in great abundance. So also, like this plague, will be the plague on the horse, the mule, the camel, the donkey, and all the cattle that will be in those camps. Then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the feast of booths. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. If the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt, and the punishment of all the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. In that day there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord. And the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar. 
Every cooking pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holy to the Lord of hosts. And all who sacrifice will come and take of them and boil in them. And there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. Congratulations! We finished another book of the Bible. Tomorrow we will finish the Old Testament. That's amazing, isn't it? I I thank you for your patience today. I am under the weather, dealing with a cold, so I hope it wasn't too distracting, but I'll do my best to keep going through this commentary. And again, my commentary is not gospel. Take it for a grain of salt or just skip it completely. But if you wanted some context as best as I can, then feel free to listen on. If you happen to notice that all the chapters that we read today are future, all of them are happening sometime after Zechariah actually giving this prophecy. So beginning in chapter 9, what we see for the first half of the chapter is the victories of Alexander the Great. Because it talks about where he went with it. He went to Hamath. He went to Tyre and Sidon. He went to Philistia, which is Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, all that. And he conquered all that. But then in verse 8, God says that I will camp around my house because of an army, because of him who passes by and returns. What we notice in the campaign of Alexander the Great is he marches right through Israel, right through Judah's territory, and he doesn't even go for Jerusalem. He spares it. And that's exactly what he's talking about here, is that he is going to protect Jerusalem from being damaged by Alexander the Great. And that's what really happens. So that's awesome. But then it goes to, in verse 9, a different person. It goes to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And if we've read the New Testament, this should seem a little familiar to us, because this is the prophecy of Jesus riding on the donkey during what we call the triumphal entry. So it shows that your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And that's exactly what happens. And that's what they put all the palm leaves on the ground, and we're singing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, so on and so forth. This really happens. Obviously, we know it happens because God said it, but it's still awesome to see that exactly take place hundreds of years later. I just think that's fascinating. When we move to verse 11, we see another military victory But this time it's not Greece, because it looks like Greece is going to be the enemy at this point. And so who we see is the Maccabees. And the Maccabees are a group of religious Jews who fight and rebel against the oppressors of their time. And they do get some kind of religious freedom during the process. So this is what we see here. Eventually, Rome is going to take over this area, but they were successful in their time. And this is what we see mentioned here for the rest of the chapter. Chapter 10 shows blessings from the Lord, but more specifically, blessings of the Messiah. Like it says here in verse 2, it mentions teraphim, speaking iniquity. What is a teraphim? 
Teraphim is the language that they would use for the household gods that people would have. So that's what that is, just in case you didn't know. So we see that this world is corrupt, right? Which shouldn't surprise us to this point if we've been paying attention. The teraphim are speaking iniquity. Diviners are lying, telling false dreams. They comfort in vain. The sheep are scattered because they have no shepherd. And then there will come in verse 4, the cornerstone, the tent peg, the bow of battle. That is the Messiah. He is going to come and he is going to redeem his people. Verses 2 and 3 have a contrast here. In verse 2, we see sheep, and in verse 3, we see goats. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, and his sheep know his name, and they listen to his voice, right? So we, the ones that are saved, are the sheep, which makes the goats everyone else who is not saved. So he is going to, like he says here, punish the male goats. So how does he punish them? He sends them to hell. So then we see all the benefits of the Messiah up until about verse 10. And then in verse 10, we see Egypt and Assyria representing all the lands of everywhere that Israel was dispersed. So it's not just that they went to only those two places, because Babylon's not mentioned here. But he's using just those two to illustrate the worldwide dispersion that the nation of Israel and Judah experienced. And that, as God has said many times, he's going to bring them back together, like he says in verses 10 and 11. Chapter 11 illustrates how the shepherd, Jesus Christ, will come into the world, and yet they will not receive him as they should. Then in verse 7, it shows a symbolism of some kind, where it has two staffs, one called favor and one called union. So these two staffs symbolize the good intentions of Zechariah himself, acting the part of a good shepherd. So he has favor and he has union. What do we consider as favor? We consider that the grace of God, right? And then we have union, which, again, he wants to see Israel and Judah, the northern and southern kingdom, come together once again as one nation. So what Zechariah is doing is symbolic of what happens with Jesus Christ. And so, because the shepherd is going to be rejected, the great shepherd from God, they're going to insult him, they're going to punish him, they're going to kill him. And so, they're going to get what's coming to them. So, Zechariah here is a symbol of the coming Messiah. He is not the Messiah, obviously, but he is acting the role to show kind of what's going to happen in his day. And then we see in verse 11, throw the 30 pieces of silver to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. That is a direct prophecy fulfilled by Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. What did he gain from selling out Jesus? 30 pieces of silver. And what did he do with that silver? He went and bought the potter's field. And that is where he hanged himself. So this is predicting that very thing. Very interesting, right? Then it seems like a natural progression that we go from Jesus to Judas, and then let's go all the way dark, right? So then we go to verse 15, and we see taking the equipment of a foolish shepherd, a false shepherd. Who would that be? 
that would be the Antichrist. So here he is showing some prophecy about the Antichrist. Now when we get to chapter 12, then we see the Lord promising that he will take care of Jerusalem and that he's going to support them, he's going to bring them to prosperity, and that those who are against Israel will be punished. And that is still applicable today. Those who are enemies of Israel will be punished. And so we need to be supporting the nation of Israel because they're still God's people. We are too, but they are still his covenant people, and God does not break his covenants. God takes it so seriously, like he says in verse 6, though, that he's going to make Judah like a firepot. In other words, the enemies surrounding them are going to be consumed by this fire, and they will be cooked in the pot, meaning that they will be utterly defeated for opposing God. And like it says in verse 8, even the most feeble of people in Jerusalem will be empowered to fight like King David, which he was a skilled warrior. So that's pretty cool. He's going to give them the power to fight and to defend themselves. And then we see some good news. Verse 10 seems to depict that during the second coming, because obviously the first time was a failure, not necessarily that God failed. He did exactly what he came to do. But Israel failed to see Jesus as the Messiah. However, the second time he comes, it seems like that they are going to accept him as the Messiah this time around. So that's excellent. They will recognize Jesus for who he really was the whole time. And they will acknowledge it with deep contrition. That feeling of the weightiness of our sin with the extreme guilt that comes with it. And how do we know that this is what this is about? Because it says that they will look on me whom they have pierced. Christ is talking about himself. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, because he is the only son begotten of the Father. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn, because he is the Christ. Chapter 13 begins with the Lord cleansing Jerusalem of sin. And one of the first things that needs to go is idolatry, obviously, because that is one of the main reasons why we fall so often. All the idolatry is going to be uprooted, and all the falsehood that is prophesied will stop. And people in their zeal are going to obey the law of God. It is going to be so zealous that even parents are willing to put their children to death if they speak falsely about God in false prophecy. That's how seriously they take it, which is good. And then we jump to verse 7, which says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man my associate. Strike the shepherd, that the sheep may be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. That sounds familiar. Is this a direct prophecy about when they arrest Jesus, and all the disciples take off and abandon him? That seems to be it. And it makes a lot of sense, too. But then when you get to verse 8, it says, It will come about in all the land that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third part will be left in it. So this is more, again, jumping to future times, that God's judgment of Israel at the return of Jesus will weed out all but one-third of them. And so the ones that will be saved are these remaining one-third. 
the, we want to call them the remnant because that's what it is. The reoccurring theme. And lastly, in chapter 14, we have one of the last battles of Armageddon. So this you can parallel this with Revelation chapter 16 if you want. What happens is that Jerusalem will be taken over. And when the armies of these nations seem that they will not be defeated, then God is going to grant these people of Israel supernatural strength of some kind. And then Jesus Christ will personally and visually return on the Mount of Olives. So the Bible seems to state that when Jesus returns, that's where he's going to show up. He's going to show up at the Mount of Olives. And then it's going to cause a great earthquake that's going to split the Mount of Olives into two. That's crazy. But it's going to be so crazy that the cosmos is going to be disrupted. Like it said, that day and night are going to be flipped somehow. In other words, what the Bible is saying is that it is impossible to miss when Jesus returns. And there's a lot of scripture that talks about that as well. And then, as we know from the remainder of scripture, that when Jesus returns, he is going to punish all evil and he will judge all sinners. So all of Israel's enemies will be struck with plagues and will end up being thrown into the lake of fire. Then when you get to verse 16, it talks about that all the people will celebrate the Feast of Booths. Now this is symbolic. This isn't the actual feast. What it's talking about here is during the Millennial Kingdom, the 1,000-year reign of Christ, God is going to live among men. and He's going to sit on the throne, literally. So this is what he's talking about, that the Feast of Booths is to symbolize the coming of the Lord and that he is going to dwell among men. Those who are in his presence will prosper, and those who are not in his presence and rebel will be issued plagues and will have hardships. And then Zechariah ends his book on a great note, just as they have been doing, where everything is going to be holy in that day. Even the bells on the horses are going to be holy. So anybody who is not a believer, anybody who is going to be cast into outer darkness, will not experience any of these blessings. So you're either going to be with the Lord, or you're going to be considered a Canaanite, like in this case, symbolizing all the unrighteous people on earth. And that's what we have ending the book of Zechariah. A fantastic book, isn't it? So tomorrow, we are going to read the book of Malachi. It's only four chapters. And I thought it would be appropriate to stop there, so that the following day, we can start fresh in the New Testament. And I'm still mind-blown that we have made it this far. So, we're a little more than eight months into this. And that just shows you how short the New Testament is in comparison to the Old Testament. So we're going to move very quickly through the New Testament as we carry on. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.